Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of The Little Stranger. The first time I saw Hundreds Hall was July 1919. Nothing could have prepared me for the spell it cast when I saw the house again 30 years later. I could hardly comprehend the change in the place. Why don't you tell me what's going on? You wouldn't believe me. Mother, this is Dr. Faraday. How did you find the patient? Little under the weather. It's war shock. I brought Caroline home to nurse him. I've heard they were troubled. Very hush hush about it. A long time ago. Who's the child here? What are you doing here? Susan died before I was born. There's something evil in this house. That's nonsense. Betty, what are you doing here? You rang for me, miss. I did not. When Mrs. Ayres was upstairs. It rang itself, did it? What is all the noise? She's here. That's impossible. Your mind is playing tricks. Susan is a memory. It can all be explained. How innocent you are. I'm worried, Doctor. Last night, he said he could smell smoke. I couldn't smell anything. His delusions seemed almost contagious. Someone's playing games. People are capable of nasty impulses. There's something in this house that hates us. You do not belong here. Oh, yes. There'll be tricks tonight. Stop! Stop! What happened next? This is a mystery to me. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for The Little Stranger, and the story is as follows. During the long, hot summer of 1948, Dr. Faraday travels to Hundreds Hall, home to the Ayres family for more than two centuries. The hall is now in decline, and its inhabitants, mother, son, and daughter, remain haunted by something more ominous than a dying way of life. When Faraday takes on a new patient there, he has no idea how closely the family story is about to become entwined with his own. The film is starring Domino Gleason, Ruth Wilson, Will Poulter, and Charlotte Rampling. It is directed by Lenny Abramson and written by Lucinda Coxon. Joining me for this review, I have Celia Shalekaway. Hey there. And Josh Parham. Hello, hello. All right, so good morning, all. The Little Stranger. This is Lenny Abramson, the director, his follow-up to the Academy Award-nominated Room, which came out in 
2015, so three years ago. And this is definitely quite a departure for him, uh, stylistically, genre-wise. I'd like to think it's a genre experiment of sorts, but I'm curious to know what the two of you think. I have not heard your thoughts on this one yet. So, uh, Celia, let's start off with you. What did you think of The Little Stranger? I think that it was almost, there were two major things that held it back, and I'm sure we'll get into it, but it was almost great. And instead of being great. almost okay. great, it was just okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So two major things holding it back from being great. In the end, it's kind of middling for you. Would you say you're like fairly in the middle or are you leaning more positive than negative or? Um, I mean, it's hard because I'm really leaning mostly frustrated. Mm. It's hard when it's hard when things like this happen and it and it's like one glaring issue is so bad that it kind of ruins the whole thing because you just think, oh, if I could just change that one thing, it would be exactly what I hoped it would be. But unfortunately, this kind of falls in that in that upsetting range. But, you know, overall, if you were to count all the different aspects of the film, yeah, I'd be leaning more positive because I think there's a lot that works. But I think the things that don't work kind of ruin it. And I do want to just preface by saying uh, two things. One, uh, excuse our vagueness uh, when we talk about it here in the first half of the review. We actually are going to go into spoilers in the second half portion of our review here. And we'll reveal a little bit more about where the story goes for sure. Because I think that's essential when talking about this. And the other thing too is, I mean, Celia, I can totally understand. Because you kind of came off just days before watching uh, Lenny Abramson's uh last film room for mm-hmm. the first time ever yeah yeah and i definitely noticed you know similar influences like something i complained about with room were uh some of the like really tight extreme close-ups and you definitely saw that here and i kind of had similar thoughts on them but you know having seen room and knowing that this was the same director i didn't i wasn't as surprised by it so it didn't uh, affect me as much and i think tonally it fit maybe a little bit better in this one so you could definitely see similar styles with that connection. Um, and I don't think his direction was the problem at all. Uh, I think I think there may have been some acting issues and there may have been some um, screenplay issues. Mm. Okay. Josh, what did you think of The Little Stranger? Well, you know, Celia, I think that you hit the nail on the head when you said frustrating because that was pretty much the emotion I had throughout this entire movie. I think that there are some very interesting elements to it, and I think it has potential to be a very interesting, like, character study and very subdued psychological horror, but I found that the movie never really knew which one to lean into in terms of focusing on character or focusing on the horror, and it all just just felt really subdued to me, but to a point where I really struggled to find what I should be investing in, and that was like I said, a very frustrating experience because I kept wondering, like, I, I see the potential, but I don't know what what it is I should actually be invested in. And it just really kept me at a distance throughout the entire runtime of this film. Yeah. Yeah, stylistically, I don't blame Lenny Abramson. As a storyteller, though, I do blame him a little bit because my take with this film is that I do believe that it is uh, aimless in its direction and to your point there josh of not knowing tonally like or genre wise even what kind of a story it wants to be and it tries to do both and it ends up doing both kind of half-assed in a way that 
it, it, this is a very disappointing movie. You know, I previously said I felt like You Were Never Really Here was uh, the longest movie I've seen this year for it being so short. I think The Little Stranger might take that title away from it now because it's like less than two hours long and it felt like it was three hours long yeah. while I was watching yeah. it. Yeah, I had the same thought. I thought, wow, this feels like two different hour and a half long movies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it started to get really, really... Um, <laughs> It, it, it just really started to grind away at me after a while. And then there's like this weird overextended sequence in the middle half of the film where I think the film does divide itself finally. And it's like this ex, uh, this dance party sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just felt so tonally different than everything else in the movie. And the cinematography was different. Like everything about it was so different. And then the story started to veer into a different direction altogether as it pertained to um, the Faraday character and the Caroline character played by Ruth Wilson. And I, I, I've, I started to think that that was interesting for the most part. Mm-hmm. And I was maybe about to start, <laughs> you know, allowing the film to br- bring me back in. But there was one thing that the film could never do and that was engrossed me all throughout and the reason for that is because in my opinion it's got the most dull protagonist of any movie i have seen this year mm-hmm. in faraday played by domino gleason yeah that's that's one of my biggest complaints with the movie um his rate like facial expression range is non-existent he is sleepwalking through this movie, in my opinion. Yeah, my biggest complaint for sure is that he's playing all these different emotions. You can tell that they're different emotions, but like you can logically understand it and get the, I don't know. Well, you can understand it because the screenplay... You know, it's pretty clear yeah. to see where the screenplay wants to take That's the character. True. Yeah. The problem is, is that he never, he's never expressive enough yeah. to allow for us to really emotionally uh, take, connect. Absolutely. Yeah, emotionally connect at all. Yeah. He's poised. He's calm. He's smart, but his character motivations are very unclear. And on top of that, the film never makes us care. Yeah, that's the big problem. Like. I can understand him being sort of reserved and subdued because, you know, of, of the time period and the setting. I could buy that character acting that way. An upstanding English gentleman. <laughs> yeah. The, the problem is that the whole film around him is that same level of energy. And, you know, there's nothing to bounce off of with that character. So he just keeps going through the movie and you're just so frustrated because... He's, like, not reacting to anything, but there's, mm-hmm. like, nothing in the movie to react to. Yeah. Well, and that's another part about it, too, is that when you say there's nothing in the film to react to, one of the hooks of the film, I guess you could say, is, is this family mentally insane or is there something more sinister at work in this house, something more supernatural? Mm-hmm. And the film kind of wants us to play a guess, a guessing game between the two yeah but then it kind of forgets uh, about it halfway through and- exactly the, the <laughs> film just kind of just changes all of a sudden and it becomes this whole other storyline between this relationship dynamic with um caroline and uh, dr faraday yeah yeah that was that was my second complaint was just the fact that this is a miss this is a this is a haunted house mystery movie what's what's the mystery if i may ask <laughs> it doesn't become that until 45 minutes in like, you don't even know that there's a mystery to be solved 
Like, it's not like they tease it all throughout, but they don't really dig into it. Like, you don't even know that it exists until 45 minutes in. Yeah, the film is so concerned with setting up the mood of the story and who these characters are just in terms of history that we have this context for what kind of a family the Ayers family is. And we never really know anything about Dr. Faraday because they don't give him any, like, uh, backstory context until later on in the film. But by that point, like, we just don't care. Mm -hmm. Um, Or don't see how it connects. Yeah. Yeah, it's just very interesting to me how, like, this film, from the very, very first, like, opening minutes, it it just didn't hook me at all. And it, it, it it never could because I couldn't understand why I should feel the need to go on this journey with this character. Um, I also think that there is something to be said for this not being your typical, like, gritty horror film. Mm -hmm. It's got a very polished, clean look to it, despite the use of grays and greens. Um, It it, it has a very cinematic look to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I don't think that lends itself well when trying to do spooky something like hereditary that has lots of intense shadows and really like sets its mood through um its setting that is creepy yeah i think that goes back to the problem of sort of the tone of this film in terms of what it actually wants to be i think that aesthetic would work if it was more focused on more like character study not necessarily for a horror film but it also wants to have those horror elements with it too and it just feels so out of place with the rest of the movie that came before it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I definitely got spooked out a couple of times. Really? Yeah, there was the scene the with the grandma. Scenes. Yeah, the nursery scene was kind of intense. and. You know what? I, I will admit the film does have really good sound. Yeah, it does have good sound. And that, that helps, I think. Yeah, but but I do see what you mean. There was a... There was a moment where he talked about seeing the inside, like the the grand entrance, and he said it was so mind-blowingly beautiful. But in the movie, it's just like dark green <laughs> with like a yeah, beige yeah. <laughs> plaster. And he said like how grand it was, and I thought, really? <laughs> like, I mean, it's nice, I guess, but like maybe it's just... Maybe it was the style of the time, but I kind of looked at it and was like, eh, looks nice enough. Or maybe, or maybe when he looked at it in July of 1919, yeah. it was amazing, <laughs> July as he says 1919. in the film. The, um, the other thing, too, uh, you know, um, I, think it was, I think it was you, Josh, you were talking about uh, characters and what draws you in. Domino Gleason is a piece of wood in this movie, and uh, you, you, nobody can convince me otherwise. However... I will give special mention to Will Poulter and Ruth Wilson and Charlotte Rampling, who mm-hmm. every time they were on screen, I felt like the movie had a spark of life to it. Yeah, especially yeah. Ruth Wilson. I, I was really fascinated by that character. And every time she was on screen, I was just wishing, can you be the main character, please? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So much more interesting. Yeah, I think that her... It's so funny to me. I know you guys said that he doesn't have anything to work off of, and I think that that's true in the environment, but all, literally all of the characters, except for him, are really well-spoken, really personable, seem to have great backstories, have a lot to say, seem very engaging, but he just kind of sits stoically and doesn't do anything about it. 
<laughs> and it almost makes his lack of performance in contrast so much more glaring and frustrating. And, you know, we've seen performances do that before. One that always comes to mind for me is Mark Wahlberg in The Fighter and how he's playing a very quiet, reserved character in contrast to his wacky, crazy family that's around him. So, like, we, we've seen that before where we can... Uh, have a character that contrasts nicely with the other more colorful characters around them. The problem is that there's nothing that Faraday uh, ever wants in this movie that we care about. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when, and in the film, well, I guess we'll get into this into spoilers, but like in the second half, like his entire character takes a change and then it's like um, our, our, our focus kind of shifts more towards Caroline. The just, I, this is what I mean when I say I, I think the direction by Lenny Abramson, like in terms of mood, you know, I can I think he's definitely going for something. Like I said, I think the green and gray look of this film is very uh, interesting. I thought the sound work was really good, but story and character and just striking the balance between those two, it, it just felt very directionless to me and kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. The first conflict of the movie is this land sale who wants to hear dialogue about a freaking land sale that's so boring but it's like <laughs> but they don't explain why they have the land why it's important to keep the land why they why whoever they're selling the land to shouldn't have it they don't explain that ever they just say there's this land sale and we shouldn't let it happen that's like that's like trade negotiations in the Star Wars prequels. Riveting. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I want to hear characters talking about. It's not even that the content is boring. It's that they don't provide stakes to make it interesting. Like, fine, have yeah. it be about a land sale, but at least give us a reason to care, and they don't. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much stuff in this movie that it's like, why are we listening to this? Why are we watching it? What is it that informs these situations with these characters? And it just always comes up short every time. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If they had just cut out that stuff and they made this movie like 89 minutes long or something like that, I actually think it could have been a little bit better, to tell you the truth. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it kind of makes me sad when I have to break down into things like there's no stakes and... You know, the acting is off and things like that, because when you get into those technical pieces, it's almost like Maslach's hierarchy of needs, right? You know, and (laughs) usually I can complain about like, oh, I didn't connect with this or I didn't connect with that. But when you can't even pass that first mark of like technically storytelling competency, I'm like, come on. (laughs) I can't even say how I feel about the movie because I can't feel anything about it because it's not good. (laughs) 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 so with that said uh i do want to get maybe into any final little details and thoughts that you guys have about the film uh i want to talk if you know see if you guys have any oscar potential final grade and then after that we could talk about the spoilers and where the story goes in the uh later half of this uh review so Josh, let's start off with you. Any uh, little little thoughts that we didn't talk about with The Little Stranger? Well, you know, the only thing I was thinking of was actually another movie that this sort of reminded me of, and that is The Haunting, the original version. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that is an example of a movie that, you know, its horror is also a bit subdued. It's more psychological, but it also has great character work, and it's a fantastic movie. And... It is the right way to do that kind of material, and The Little Stranger just is so quiet and so subdued in everything that it does that I just struggle to find myself invested with anything. So, um, unfortunately, you know, it. 
I do think it looks okay, and some of the performances are good, but overall, it just really struggled to keep me engaged, and that's a that's a big problem for me. I don't think there's any Oscar potential with this. I, I think it's going to die a very quick death <laughs> and be quickly forgotten. Uh, in terms of like my grade, I think I would actually go maybe like four out of ten. Like it's not a movie that I hated, but I found myself very very bored by it. Okay, Celia. When I first saw the trailer for this, I really wanted it, and I and I know I expressed this to you guys in uh, our chat, but I really wanted it to be another Shutter Island. I feel like that kind of self-contained thriller horror mystery thing hasn't really happened in a while, at least not in a sane way, but I'm so disappointed that it wasn't anywhere even close to that. Like it didn't, it didn't itch that scratch at all, which is kind of a bummer. I kind of walked away from it thinking that I should read the book because from everything that I've read Mm. about the book, it was very satisfying and, you know, had everything that I was missing from the movie, um, which I'm kind of of the mindset that you should read the book after the movie anyways, because if if anything, the book will just either heighten your experience of a good movie or fix your experience of a bad movie. Thank you. Oh, somebody who speaks English. (laughs) So, um, yeah, if anything, this has just convinced me to uh, continually lower my trust in Domhnall Gleeson and read the book. (laughs) I want to just say for the record that I I like I don't I don't hate Domhnall Gleeson. I, I just think he's an inconsistent actor with the projects that he chooses mm-hmm. because he consistently chooses these these very uninteresting British roles. Mm-hmm. And I feel that his best roles are the ones where he's not the lead of his film. Um, and typically he's not playing a Brit. He's usually playing an American. And and then he, he's not then constricted to this posh, polite, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. kind of just... I don't know. Like I, I just feel like he does not bring any kind of wit or charm to those to those types of roles. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. And you know, something that I said before is that I feel like he kind of you know jump started his career and then took a bunch of projects that were only half good, and now all those projects are coming out, and it's just like movie after movie after movie of this is just okay. And and he's got range. Yeah. You know, he goes from playing something in The Revenant to Ex Machina to About Time, where he's a romantic lead. He could be over-the-top ridiculous in the Star Wars films. And I actually I love his performance in the Star Wars films, actually, because it is kind of a riff on how he could take a character like like for example like if he like if he was taking the character of dr faraday and wanted to just make him completely over the top and ridiculous that's general hucks right there mm-hmm. <laughs> the guy who t- takes himself so seriously and is trying to be like this upstanding uh you know man of power and he just looks like a complete idiot <laughs> well anyways uh so what grade out of 10 do you give celia well, yeah, I don't think it has any Oscar potential. You know, you're right, the sound is good, but so is all the sound in every horror movie. So, yeah. um, And I think I'm with Josh. I think I would give it a 4 out of 10. Yeah, I definitely did like the sound in this. And the sound is actually something that I, 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 I liked it a lot more than a standard movie. And I just don't, yeah, I'm the same way. I don't think it has any Oscar potential whatsoever. Uh, one other thing of note that I wanted to also bring up is 
Will Poulter, I think, is maybe starting to show that he could be like like one of the great actors in a few years' time. Mm-hmm. Is anybody else like getting that after seeing like just a huge difference in his performance in Detroit last year versus The Little Stranger now? I mean, honestly, I didn't even know that was Will Poulter until the credits rolled. Yeah, same. Wow. I didn't. Yeah. I, I kind of, when, when I saw his name, I thought, oh, yeah, I should have realized it, that. It was the eyebrows. The eyebrows were a dead giveaway for me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. yeah they, they are. But it is such like a complete transformation from what we normally see. And it's not just the makeup. It's the whole physicality of that performance that is very, very different. And I was mm-hmm. impressed by that performance. You know, if, if he had a little bit more screen time and if he had a scene, I would maybe start trying to bang the drum for him for supporting actor. But I can't uh, based on. Uh, many many factors but yeah his performance in this was something that i wish i i wish the movie had more of because i thought he was really really great well it goes back to wishing that family essentially was the focal point of this story instead of the faraday character mm-hmm. absolutely that whole family you know even even caroline even the mom they were all and even betty they were all great all great characters that i'm like no <laughs> <laughs> yeah so for me this is definitely a disappointment of a film I think Lenny Abramson can bounce back from it, though. He has shown that uh, he can uh, do really good projects with things like Room and Frank. So I have hope uh, for the future for him. I am a little bit lower than the two of you. Um, I would give this a 3 out of 10. It's not one of the worst movies I've seen this year. It has a couple of good elements that keep it from being that, but it's close uh, for me. And and once again, like, you know, sometimes... uh, I tend to lean more negatively when I go in with expectations because of talent involved. And then this is the result that we get. So that disappointment factor is always kind of looming in a situation like this. So that's true. Yeah. That definitely influences uh, my rating from time to time. Okay. So with that said, we're going to move over now into spoilers for the little stranger. We're going to discuss uh, some things that happened in the third act of the film. For those that have seen the film, feel free to continue to listen. And for those that have not, Uh, Well, we'll always see you next time here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Okay, so, Celia, I think you were the one that uh, really wanted to have the spoiler section, so I know that there are some things that are probably most certainly on your mind with it, with Mm -hmm. this movie. Um, Let's start off with you. Uh, What do you want to discuss about The Little Stranger that we couldn't end the main reveal? It's revealed that Faraday is the one who's been hurting everybody in the house. Um, and it bothers me so much because, you know, the whole movie I'm thinking, oh, he's acting jealous when Caroline dances with other people at the dance, but you don't see it on his face. You just see him become extra stoic compared to his regular (laughs) stoic setting. And then, oh, he's mad when, you know, she doesn't want to marry him anymore, but he just becomes extra extra stoic like <laughs> i can just imagine lenny abramson giving him direction more stoicism donald <laughs> be more stoic <laughs> and it's just but then to be able to do those things takes so much anger and it was never teased and you know i'm not a filmmaker i don't know what it would take to be able to tease that to a satisfying end without giving it away but there's just like it just you know you said earlier that his motivations don't make sense And that's the case because, you know, he talks about the whole time how he's in love with the house and all these things. And then he does all this stuff to keep the house and he wants to live in the house, even though why the hell would you live in that house? Like, it's awful. Right. 
like the film doesn't even do a good job of setting up like why his current life and his current apartment is so bad mm-hmm. that he feels the need to want to get away from yeah his current existence if that makes sense yeah the whole time i thought to myself you know he has this opportunity to move to london and he won't take it he won't take it he won't take it and maybe that should have been my hint that there was something going on but there was nothing else to tie it to you know what i mean there was no other point to connect it to for why he would want to stay separate from caroline so when caroline no, says i, 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 I didn't understand go, it at all um, yeah. I, I didn't even to tell you the truth i didn't even know like while watching the movie i didn't get mm-hmm. that he was the presence or the spirit or whatever it was that was kind of creating all this turmoil for this family i had no idea yeah i found that out later I just started to think to myself that they're they're just taking this character into like kind of a chauvinistic prick obsession route. Yeah, you know, like uh, a like his... a sexist, self important dude. Exactly, yeah. and I, I I started to think to myself, I'm like, okay, this is I guess getting a little bit interesting because I didn't like this character to begin with in the first act. Now I have a reason not to like him. Mm-hmm. So that was starting to make sense to me. But then when the ending happened, and you know, all the all the family members in the house end up getting killed off. Uh, I, I just, once again, it's just another example of how the film is not able to properly communicate its story to its audience. Yeah, when when I have to when I have to go on Reddit and look up not the plot of the movie, the plot of the book, in order to figure out what was going on, like that's a bad sign. <laughs> yeah. I think another reason why that never really comes across very well is because there's, I think we talked about this, there's not a great distinction between his life outside of the house and when he's a part of it. It all Mm -hmm. just looks the same kind of gray, greenish tinted hue to it. Mm -hmm. And you never get a stylistic difference between his states of mind. So when the ending happens, it's like, yeah, I guess it makes sense, but you did nothing to really communicate that to me that that was going to happen so it just feels very out of place when it does yeah and that's why i say like there were there were two you know one more important thing than the other but there were two things that held this back from being great and it's like that turn was what could have saved the the rough screenplay and domino gleason's inability to to portray that difference that you're talking about that that delineation between inside and outside, his inability to portray that held the movie back. Mm -hmm. I also think, too, the flashbacks, although they were meant to kind of help to explain that, I I don't understand how you could use a narrative device like a flashback, which is basically (laughs) giving you everything you need on a silver platter, Mm -hmm. you know, and is making you work uh, less to figure out the story mm-hmm. and I, i'm still and i'm still left kind of confused and baffled by the end by that like that that to me is just an example of just poor storytelling at that point i think it's because they don't ever um scale you know what i mean like they don't ever scale it up like the the most intense it ever gets is him snapping the acorn off of the frame or whatever that we see like 15 times yeah and yeah. they only ever show that like they never show a scaling in behavior so you think oh the worst thing he ever did was take a plaster acorn there's no way that this guy is a psychopath you know but no that's apparently not the case and so it doesn't connect like there's no 
There's no ramping up. It goes from stoic to murderer. It goes from acorn to psychopath. Like, there's no way to bridge that gap in your mind as you're watching the film. Yeah, you see him get slapped by his mom right afterwards, but that's about the only intense thing that follows that moment. And then we go back into the present right after that. Mm -hmm. And even that's easily explained by, like, it was the time. Like, I could see, I could totally see even... I mean, not that I would agree with it, but I could totally see even now, like, if your kid embarrasses you in front of your former employer and you, like, take him home and, I mean, now it would be spanking. But, like, at the time, yes, you would get slapped in the face. That's what would happen. I guess, like, what it really comes down to in the end, though, for me, um, like, even with this ending being what it is, uh, does anyone else, like, still kind of prefer an alternative version that the film also presents, but they do dis- disregard by telling you explicitly, no, Faraday was the one that did all this. Does anyone else prefer the version where that, like that is left up to interpretation still? Yeah. I thought that was going to be basically where the movie was headed. And I was interested in that. And then the ending happens. And it's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't really care. Yeah. I mean, the book makes it clear that Faraday is um, an untrustworthy narrator. Mm-hmm. So in scenes like when he's standing outside in the snow with the mom and she's all of a sudden getting cuts all over her body and you're not like, he's not doing that. Like you don't see him cutting her. Right. But the fact that his, you know, unreliable narrator status is not portrayed in the film makes there be no payoff for that. So right now I think about that scene and I think that's confusing. We never saw him do that. But if you read it in the book, it's like, oh, he just didn't tell us that he did it. He pretended like it was a ghost or something like that. So so there's some kind of, there's no more dissonance in your mind. But my, my, my issue with that is that if he did do it, like physically, if he did do it, then why did they keep allowing him to come back to the house? Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> like, Like, it's like, why wouldn't Charlotte Rampling be like, you know, throwing accusations at him and freaking out every time she sees him if like, ah, I mean, maybe she is just old. Maybe maybe she's she's so deep in the conspiracy that she can't, you know, whatever. But and Caroline never sees sees her actively get hurt. I mean, am I am I even interpreting this all correctly? That he literally did all this stuff himself. Like he is the one that pushed Caroline yeah. out. That's, right? That's, and to her death. That's yeah. yeah. That's the payoff. Okay. I don't think it should be. I almost think this needed a searching style, like methodical walkthrough of exactly what happened. <laughs> because <laughs> like by the end I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's sort I of between two different kind of worlds as to did this happen or did this not really happen? But it's not a strong enough movie to walk that line. Yeah, and it doesn't necessarily need to in the in the middle, but there needs to be enough, you know, and I get that that's a really hard, you know, line to walk b- between making you question it without making, without giving it away. I get that that's hard, but they didn't even l- allow us to question it. I wish they had, you know, the best kinds of the best kinds of mysteries are the ones that you can figure out yourself, right? The best kind of like what's happening ghost story movies are the ones that leave enough hints that, you know, if you've already seen it or if you're smart enough, you can kind of figure it out as the characters do. But I mean, I guess the characters never figure it out until Caroline sees them. So 
maybe that was intentional. All right. Anything else we want to touch upon? No, just it's very disappointing, I, I have to say. It's, it's a shame. There's a lot of potential in this movie, but it never really lives up to it. Yeah. All right. I'm very, I'm very passionate about how frustrating this was. I don't know if you can tell, but. <laughs> Okie dokie then. Well, with that said, Celia, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter and on Letterboxd at Films Unstuck. And Josh? You can find me on Twitter at J.R. Parham. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast review of The Little Stranger. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, CastBox, and Acast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review there. And also, if you're feeling very generous, send us over a donation on Patreon for $1 minimum a month. You get some exclusive podcast content from us. We really, really appreciate all of your feedback and support. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we shall see you all next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.